Okay, I'll see if I can do this justice. You know, two weeks ago, Pastor Rich was up here and he told the story of how he and Paula, you know, came to be and, and started to, to minister and, and their travels and establishing this church. And so I thought a good segue would be, let's continue the story with how this building came to be and how we came to enjoy this property. Um, it's, it's quite a story. And not only that, there's, there is a message here. Um, there's no question that, that um, this building certainly delivered a, a, a message of what a church re really is. Um, so anybody that's been coming here less than 15 years, which would be 2008 um, and, and since, um, probably doesn't remember that we were a mobile church prior to 08 meeting in various places. You heard the, the pastor give the story about the VFW Hall and the homes and all these other places. And, you know, we were, in essence, a mobile church looking for a home. And you heard Jim talk about what being a mobile church means and what's involved, right? The setup, the takedown, packing up trucks. You know, he mentioned you're using pickup trucks, which means you go and load it in the morning, drive to the church place, unload it, set it all up. As soon as church is done, you're breaking it all down, reloading the trucks, driving it back to wherever it goes, unloading them all over again. So the point Jim made was nobody ever complained. Everybody just seemed thrilled to do it. They, it was a, a labor of love, really. Um, and James tells us, right, faith without works is dead, which sounds like a heavy statement. But if you think about it, once you're touched by the Holy Spirit, you can't help it. You can't help but do these things and, and fulfill God's mission. It's like it becomes natural. It's not supernatural. It's natural. You just do it. You want to do it. You do it with a smile. Um, and if you think about that, you know, these are people, you're getting up 7 o'clock in the morning, you're loading trucks, you're at the, in this case, um, we're at a school for a long time. Uh, <clears throat> you know, you're at the school at 8 a.m., packing up, you know, setting up all this stuff, knowing it's only going to be there for two hours, and you're going to do it all over again. Um, so, during that time, the church actually came into a cube van. It was a yellow, like, ex-rider rental truck, little cube van. And that was like you know, a big deal, because now the stuff could get loaded and just stay in the little cube van all week. You didn't have to, it cut the work in half, right? So the, there was joy in the simple things, right? It was just, um, you know, it was just two less steps to be done. And the downside, of course, is the stuff got really cold in the winter. So, you know, you're, you're grabbing all this really freezing stuff. Uh, and I'm sure it wasn't easy on the equipment either. Um, but for a long time, we're at Wyndham Junior High, and we go in the cafeteria, and of course, they would empty the, the, the floor, they'd pack everything in the corners so the janitors could clean the floors and polish and wax and all that. So every week, all the chairs would get laid out, the, the tables that the students would sit at would fold up into a V, and then those Vs would get moved around and kind of make like classrooms for the Sunday school, right? it was just like a separator. 
And it would make like these rooms, we'll call it. And then eventually we got curtain walls. We got these rods with curtains and set up actual like classrooms. And then that was another big deal because now the classrooms are all set up in a cafeteria and the, the, we'll call it the chapel, moved into the auditorium. So now that we didn't have to move chairs anymore. It was all just curtain walls for the Sunday school. So little steps like that, you know, just everybody, again, just adapted to it all. No complaints. Everybody was happy. Sometimes those teams of set up and takedown would cycle in and out. It wasn't always the same people, but there always seemed to be some core group that was always consistent year after year after year. They just kind of kept things steady, kept, you know, kept things in order. Um, and if you think all that was fun, we also would do the Festival of Hope at, um, at Oakland Beach. So that meant packing up all kinds of stuff to set up games and little things and stuff just to present to the community and drive it over to Oakland Beach and set it all up and break it all down and truck it all back. Um, so again, that was just things that, that people were happy to do. We were fulfilling God's mission. Um, and it was all done with a, a joyful heart, right, which is what we should be doing. And in the meantime, the search for a permanent home continued. And anything that was affordable for the church the size it was always had some major flaw or something majorly wrong with it, right? Some were really way too small. Some had no parking. It was just on street only. Some had no land at all. They were just basically a building in a, you know, right on the front facing street, no land at all, no parking. Or the buildings were in really bad condition, needed so much work that it, you know, it'd be almost impossible. Or the neighborhoods were really, really horrible. I don't know if you can ask people you know, to, to, to go into probably dangerous neighborhoods. So Pastor had mentioned Barbara had written a little booklet. I, I think somebody was going to make copies in the back and whatnot. But that really gets a detail of all these buildings that, that weren't the right building. <clears throat> So we're at Wyndham for a really long time. Everything seems pretty good and stable. And then it happens. A notice comes and says, oh, by the way, the school's going to be getting new roofs and renovations. And it's all going to be blocked off indefinitely. You may not be able to come back here ever. It's unknown. So that was a shock, because now all of a sudden we're homeless. We're wondering, okay, where do we go? The church was big enough at that time, it wasn't going to be somebody's house. It was going to have to be a, a true meeting space with parking. Um, so, ironically, or, or, you know, in God's perfect timing, after all these years of searching, this opportunity comes along for this place right here. But it was exactly the wrong time economically. It was 2008. And I just want to kind of paint that picture for you a little bit. So it was the perfect opportunity at exactly the wrong time. And the way it happened was Bill Bell, who you may or may not know, who pastors at, um, at Maple Root Baptist, he's also a realtor. And of course, he's dialed into the Baptist community. And he brings this, I'll call it chance of a lifetime, in 08, 
And this was a Baptist church, and they were consolidating two parishes into one. So this was going to be for sale. So he brings it to, you know, church leadership, and, and the church had saved for many years, but it was nowhere near the money to buy the, this property. Uh, it was enough for a down payment, and, and somebody had generously given even a large amount of money towards a building purchase, but it still was nowhere near enough to buy the property outright. So we're going to need a mortgage. And you think about it, here's Calvary Chapel, mobile church, no credit history, you know, worst economic condition ever, and they're going to, they're going to ask the bank for a mortgage. You know, that, that, was, uh, that was a stretch. Um, banks weren't lending to anybody. They were calling loans, as a matter of fact, even loans that were performing. They were calling them because they needed cash. Um, so there's little to no chance that we were going to get a mortgage. But after lots of prayers, a lot of discussion, the decision was made to move forward to let's try and lean not on our understanding but trust in the Lord, right? Proverbs 3, 5. Well, that's my personal favorite. Um, so you got mortgage default, short sales, foreclosures. Remember this? Remember Bear Stearns, Merrill Lynch, Lehman Brothers, Wachovia. All these, you know, bedrock institutions are, are imploding. They're folding up. Bank of America's calling loans. Re remember the saying, too big to fail, right? Citigroup's in trouble. J.P. Morgan's in trouble. Who's going to loan us money? It's mind-boggling. Um, so, and it runs on the banks, right? If you think, of, if you want an image, think of George Bailey, right, in a, a, a Wonderful Life, where everybody's lined up in front of the counter and they're all demanding their cash. They don't, the banks don't have that much cash. They loan it out. They invest it. If they kept it, they, they wouldn't be able to pay interest. So, so they don't have all that cash. And when everybody's at the counter screaming for their money, they go broke. They, they implode. And you can say, well, there's FDIC insurance. Well, they're in the same, the same setting. They don't have enough cash for every single bank in the country. They're only able to support sporadic failures, not systematic ones. So I'm trying to paint this picture so you, you understand how bad it was. It, you know, the world, a lot of people don't realize, the world was on the brink of collapse economically. And again, through a lot of maneuvering and stuff, it, it worked out, but it took a long time. If you remember, the recovery took like 10 years to recover from that. So the key here, though, is struggles create opportunities. And that's true in our own lives, right? Isn't it, isn't it when we're at our lowest that God lifts us up, right? When we're at rock bottom, that's when... We have an opportunity for change and improvement and, and, and again, to be, to be lifted up. 2 Corinthians 9.8, and you don't have to, I'm going to read it to you. If, if you want to turn there, you can. But 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that all things at all times, having all that you need, will abound in every good work. And, you know, I think about that's what we were doing, right? We were 
doing God's work, and that the word all is a huge word. Three letters means a lot, right? All means no exception. So here it is again, you know, God's saying all grace will abound to you in all things at all times, even bad times. And you will have all that you need and abound in every good work. So that, to me, that's a powerful message of how this building kind of came into being. Um, it was, you know, the hand of God on that for sure. And then the property ended up being a stream of blessings. So this was, you know, um, again, a very unusual situation because here we are with a tough economic crisis, a church with no history uh, of credit, and all of a sudden there's blessings. You know, but that's, that's how it was coming, that's how it was playing out. So, as I mentioned, the building was a Baptist church, merging with another Baptist church, and they put it on a market. And they put it on a market for a price it should have attracted, um, and probably would have, but as a business, not as a church. It was near Quonset, it's near the highway, it's easy on, easy off. You know, it's very, um, very attractive to a business. So we were perfectly honest with them and told them what we could afford, which was a lot less than they were asking for. And again, just kind of held our breath and said, okay, we'll see what they say. And believe it or not, the very next day, in their words, they said, we're going to accept your offer. It's not the highest offer, but it's the best one. So, you know, that to me, that's, that's the, the hand of God stuff, right? Uh, they, they very easily could have said, you know, we're going to go for the high dollar. Um, and now, of course, this is where uh, I'll call it the fun starts. Trying to convince a lender that they want to loan us money. Um, and if you've ever been involved in any kind of commercial loans or anything, there's lots of tests that have to get done. They, they test environmental, they're going to test fire, they're going to test handicap access, they're going to test egress, which is a fancy word for exits. Um, they're going to test the financial history and stability, and they're going to do it every which way but sideways. So, <clears throat> We go and apply, and TD Bank was the bank of choice uh, to try to start with, um, which you, you, know, you may have or may not have heard of, but they're probably more better known as TD uh, Ameritrade. That's their brokerage arm. Um, it's a Canadian bank doing business in the US. And they said, oh, we'll, we'll consider it. We'll take a look. So went through the mortgage process, um, you know, full of hope. And during these tests that were going on, uh, a lot of things were determined that weren't favorable. So the environmental tests are done, and it's determined that the septic system is totally inadequate. 
undersized, it's deteriorated, it needs to be replaced, and back in 08, it was about $50,000. Well, we didn't have $50,000 because all the money was going towards down payment and closing costs. There wasn't, there wasn't 50 left over. And so when talked to the seller, said, hey, this is, you know, this is where it is. Now remember, they already discounted the price and they came back and said, okay, we'll give you a closing credit for the 50,000. So that meant we'd have to come up with less cash at the closing and have the 50,000 to put in the septic. And that's those green covers you see out here, over there. There's green covers out there. That's the new septic system. So again, blessing number one. Then during the same environmental testing, this building had oil heat, and it was like a thousand gallon oil tank buried out in the, on the side yard. That, I guess is over there. Um, and the problem with big oil tanks in the ground is they leak. So now you've got a containment problem. You don't know where that thing's leached to. So the cover's taken off, and lo and behold, it's full of water which means it's leaking, it's filled up with groundwater, which means there's probably a lot of contamination. So I don't know how this happened, but the environmental company comes back and says, the soil shows no contamination at all, zero. <laughs> uh, uh, now typically what people do when they abandon those tanks is they fill them with sand and the sand soaks up a little bit of residue oil and keeps it from leaching out. It just sits in the sand. Not this tank, full of water, which means it could leach everywhere. So again, blessing number two, I'm not sure how, but there was no contamination, no need to contain soil. You can imagine what it would cost to scrape six feet of topsoil off and, and put it into barrels and put it into a hazardous waste area. Um, so there's blessing number two. Uh, then, the topography study comes in, and that's where they test the, the, the elevations of the land and if you've got low spots and high spots and whatever. And it's determined that the building's in a flood zone. Right. So now, you know, bank says, geez, you need flood insurance. And if you notice, there's wetlands across the street, right, on the other side. There's wetlands, you can only see them in the winter, but behind the woods over here in the back, in the far end of the parking lot. Is wetlands. And so the bank says, you know, we're very sorry, but you're going to have to get the flood insurance. Well, flood insurance is expensive, and it takes a long time to get because they do all these studies, again, about is it a 20-year flood plain or is it a 100-year flood plain? How often does it flood? To what extent? Though that process starts, looking for flood insurance. And then... Out of the blue, again, this is almost like the tank with the soil. Out of the blue, for no reason, the bank calls and says, we've reconsidered and we've noticed that the parking lot is what's in the flood zone. The building is high enough that it's above the, the floodplain. And we're going to consider the fact that the parking lot, if it did flood, would be no damage. We're not going to require flood insurance. <laughs> so it, again it's just those throw your hands up moments you know and it's like well here's another blessing 
You know, banks just don't back off on that stuff. They, because they, remember, for a bank only cares about one thing, really, to get repaid so they can pay their depositors, so they don't have a George Bailey moment, right? They want to they want, they recover the payments, and if you're building floods, people can walk away and say, you know what, I, it's beyond us, we're done. And they walk away. So, so banks are very sensitive to the collateral. And here they are waiving it. So again, another blessing. It, you know, in my mind, I say it's, you know, it's, it's, it's providence. It's divine providence it just smiled on this whole journey. And it's a good thing we found crappy buildings and crappy locations that nobody wanted. And, we, and, and everybody said, well, well, we'll walk away from that because we wouldn't be here. You know, and have this, this nice lawn and, and, and meeting space and space for classrooms and space for potluck. We wouldn't have any of that stuff. So, <clears throat> so keep moving forward. And then we get to the financial testing. And, and the bank asks questions like, give us your top 10 donors because not by name, but by donation, they want to make sure you don't have what's called a concentration, right? In other words, if the church is all supported by one or two people, that's high risk because if something happened to them, there goes the budget, right? So they, they much prefer, it's more stable, to see a, a, a broader spread of donors so you're not concentrated into just a few. So they wanted top 10 donors by dollar, and they looked at it. Now, normally, what banks do when they consider this stuff is they discount, it's called discount, the cash flow because there's always some risk, right? And we're in 08, remember, people are struggling themselves. Maybe they donate a little less, right? That, that can happen. So they normally discount it. Even for businesses, they won't count all the revenue. They'll discount it. Look at the receivable and say, well, we know you're only going to collect 85% of that. For whatever reason, the bank didn't discount the tithing at all. They counted 100% of the tithing, which, again, I keep throwing my hands up because stuff doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that sounds good. So, covered all the hurdles. And lo and behold, on the same day that Congress rejected a bailout plan, they voted it down, and the stock market plunged because they could see the economy was cratering and teetering. Calvary Chapel gets a commitment letter from the bank at a good rate and good terms. Now, General Motors had been trying to get credit and got turned down. So, so I'm, again, I'm like, General Motors gets a no, and Mobile Church Calvary Chapel gets a yes. <laughs> Again, providence, it's God's hand to God on this whole thing. And then just some personal elements, right? So I thank the banker for working so hard on this. She did put a lot of effort and helped champion the whole thing. And, you know, that was all part of the blessing. So I thanked her for working so hard. And she usually works on big commercial loans, not, not this kind of thing. But she did it anyway. And, and, I, and she says to me, 
she goes, I'm not sure why she was, but I just feel really good when I'm working on this. She says, it just gives me a really good feeling. And I said, me too. <laughs> so, so, so it was, you know, you don't always hear that kind of stuff. And um, so the closing gets set, and then, and then another blessing comes, if there could even be more. The closing documents come out for signature and all that, and the interest rate's lower than what they put on the commitment letter. Wow. Now, we'd already signed the commitment letter, lock in the rate, so they didn't have to do that, but they did. So they lowered the rate. Um, they couldn't have raised it. It was locked in. So, so the bank lowered the rate literally at the closing. And then, again, just a, on a personal note, it's a late day closing. It's like 6 o'clock at night. The attorney for the bank had a two-hour ride home, so it was going to be 8 p.m. before they even go home. And for whatever reason, they decide they call me, and, and he said, I just want you to know, I never feel this good leaving a closing, <laughs> especially when it's 6 p.m., you know? He says, I just, I just want you to know, I, I got a really good feeling at this closing. And so, I, again, I, I just tell these stories because it's, you don't normally get that kind of call. You know, you don't hear that stuff. It's just, it's just a transaction. You know, for the, for us, it's a big deal. For for a bank, it's one of many. So. So, I believe that, the hand of God was on us every step of the way. And. For timing, the this building closed literally one week after we got booted out of Wyndham, wow. okay? It was just, the, the lineup was just incredible. And we met for, for one week at the gymnasium at West Bay Christian Academy around the corner here. Um, and that kind of carried us over. And again, we're a mobile church, so we, moving was easy. Um, so the very next week, Evans closed and we move into this church. Now, this is where we all play a part, right? Is now, you know, we're in this building. We're all part of the history now. And you may or may not remember, but this building originally had all these rooms at the back of the chapel, okay? There was a cry room. There was a sound room. There was just rooms for rooms. They had no purpose. They're just back there. Um, and then, if you remember, there was heavy oak pews in here. Classic, you know, good Baptist church layout. Had the heavy oak pews with the dock stain, you know, lined up here, no padding. Um, and then the windows needed to be glazed. All these windows had, you know, were basically leaking or had, you know, rainwater dripping down them. The flooring wasn't this carpet, it was beat up. The bathrooms weren't in great shape. Place needed to be painted badly. The heating system was old, oil heat. It was very, um, you know, dirty, inefficient. All those things needed attention. And people stepped up with trade skills, right, and, and came forward and really pulled the place together, ripping out the rooms, putting in the sound booth in the back, getting this carpet down, remodeling the bathrooms, redoing the heat. I mean, all those, all those things, you know, everybody stepped up 
and and um, and you know put their skills to to use, and and we all again are part of the church, and then that still continues today, right? There's lawn care that's nonstop. And then there's the cleanups, you know, fall and spring type cleanups. People step up and do that. There's volunteering at, whether it be the festival or at potluck or getting the coffee in the back or an occasional donut. Um, you know, people donate their time for special projects. You know, and then there's the financial support, right? The tithing, the, the financial contribution that not only keeps the lights on and the mortgage paid and all that, but it provided these chairs, right? We got the new ramp outside. There used to be an old wooden ramp that was actually getting pretty rickety, you know, and it was too steep for handicap. Got a much longer ramp that's now wheelchair accessible, compliant. Paved the parking lot. That, that was the one that kept me up at night because if, if you remember, it was very crumbly, cracked, heavily cracked, and then parts of the parking lot were coming up when the snow plows came. Well, I can tell you from experience, once that happens, very quickly you get ponds and mud bogs. And I, and I used to, it was a nail biter for me personally because I could see it coming. And once that happens, you can't stop it. It, gets, it snowballs very quickly. But even that was a blessing, right? That was done during COVID. And it was, really was unaffordable. But during COVID, if you remember, the price of oil plummeted, right? And, Asphalt is mostly oil, most of the cost of asphalt. It's stone, sand, and oil. So when oil comes down, it, the price of asphalt comes way down. All of a sudden, it became reachable, okay? And here it is, COVID. You know, and again, you know, through God, all things are for good. How could COVID be good? Well, <coughs> it made the parking lot affordable, okay? So... All these things keep going. We were recently able to replace the roof. It was leaking badly, if you remember, around the chimney. Um, it was aging out. And, you know, these are all things that we were able to do through our mutual contributions, you know, and all the things that we contribute, whether it be time, money, effort, ideas, whatever it is, we contribute, again, to the church body. And it's that collective contribution that makes this church what it is. Um, because after all, right, a building's just a building, right? The church is the, is, is the people of Christ, is what the church is. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 5, again, you can turn if you'd like, I'm going to read it. But 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 5 says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. It's the same, you're touched by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. And to me, that defines church. That, that is the definition of, of a church. Is it's all gifts. We're touched by the Holy Spirit. There's different kinds of service, and we're all with the same God. And, and that's what brings us there. So each of us plays a part, and that combination, again, is, is the church body. Amen? Amen? All right, so let's pray. Father God, thank you for giving us the blessings. <laughs> and thank you for 
bringing us together as a church body and being able to do your will. We thank you for smiling on us, for giving us the opportunities, for letting us see those opportunities and letting us do the right things. Well, we enjoy being your church. We enjoy being a collective body. And we very much want to continue to fulfill your mission. And we ask that you continue to smile on us and continue to bless us, continue to let us do a festival, let us reach out to people in the community, let us be a, a, an example of your light. So, Lord, we very much thank you for what you do for us. We thank you for your son. We thank you for loving us and forgiving our sins. Amen.